If you put your left foot in, you take your left foot out. You put your left foot in and shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself about. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Jason, welcome back to the show, man. It's been a while since you've been here, no? The last one we did, I think. Were you part of the whole significant? Yeah, that was the last one? Uh, significant other episode. Yeah, oh yeah, significantly. Significantly. <laughs> so the 200 event that we had at the VentureX office, right? Yeah, we did that. Then I think we met up at Stu's and we did something with Stu and Justin. Um, okay, so I just want to, yeah, that was way before, but I just want to introduce everybody again. The Keystone Contractors back on the show on the very first video podcast that we're doing. Jason here. How is it that you pronounce your last name? Because I ain't going to even try. So it's Shuviola, German, but think Shiviola? Shuviola, but, Shuviola. but for the for the layman, think of a Chevy truck and add an Ola at the end. <laughs> Cheviola. O- owner, operator, big cheese. How many business years have you been going at it? So many. Website is triple w the keystone contractor.com. Email is info at the keystone contractor.com. Facebook and Instagram is the keystone contractor. I am very far behind on my social media posts. Uh, as you should be, man. It's uh, it's just uh, how it is these days. I just can't understand how guys produce, edit, put so much content up, and then at the same time <laughs> still work all day and do what they do. I just don't get it. I don't, don't see the time. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to the very first show. Here we are in our little podcast studio it's booth at Venture awesome. X. Done. I love it. It's nice. I really want to appreciate you helping me out with the table here. And Flo obviously is paying, uh, I guess you're playing directing duties right now. Flo is just right here. He's, it's a temporary position, by the way. I didn't give him a full-time position. I don't want to give him any kind of position. <laughs> That's basically it. But yeah, so we, we've had a lot of fun putting all this stuff together. This was what the show was always leading towards. I know that a lot of people wanted to uh, see me and see the guests and and see what we're going to talk about and give us a lot of freedom to actually use the tv screen use the internet use zoom calling use all this other stuff start having grander conversations with contractors and tradespeople from all over the world and having this uh just keep on expanding it's also nice to put names to faces for sure everyone's always curious to see what that person looks like you meet and you hear their voice and it's like okay and you meet them and it's like you are not what i expected so I got a few little shout outs, a little thank yous that I want to do. So I got some paperwork here to kind of share. This is going to probably be about this is the nightly news here kind of thing, right? So obviously the wall behind me has this full brick, which is like actually turned out really sweet. Came from Matt Arnold from Foam Core Moldings, and it was actually pretty easy to install. Everybody's been asking about that. Oh, that's not real brick? That's not real brick, buddy. <laughs> that's that's half-inch foam that's in, awesome. in panels that are, like, just integrated. It's all toothed, and then you use a little bit of dap, like the one favorite caulking I that I love. I You're not on the mic, so you be quiet. <laughs> I literally thought it was um, the brick facade you put on, and then you just painted it. No, it's not that. That's, oh. a, that's actually a, a mold. That's a mold, man. And it was actually super easy to do. So uh, thank you so much, Matt. Foam Core Moldings. Everybody check them out. They're in the Niagara area. I want to thank uh, Gary Mares. I'm actually wearing Mares Carpentry shirt. As I said in a previous Manny Monday, I've actually told people that if I ever got a show, dun, 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 I'm going to wear a different tradesperson's business t-shirt, hoodie, cap, whatever it is. I've got 
dozens and dozens and dozens of them that people have over the years given to me and i'm going to wear that for every single show to give them a shout out and i'm going to continue doing that so anybody who's listening right now and you want to send something to me and i'll wear it don't send me a tutu or anything like that send me like proper tradesmen you know gear or stuff like that and i'll wear it i'm an xl I'll send you a Keystone. If you want, sure, send it to me. Don't don't send me like a small, or else it'd be a little Christina Aguilera action going on with the naval there. All right. So Gary, thank you so much for the for the tea. I also want to thank uh, on that side. Behind you is all that thermary, all that Scott Pine. Those are all deck boards, man. John Witt from Deck Protect. He actually supplied all that lumber. I chopped it in half and I chamfered everything, and then I came across this pattern. Loved it. Put it together. That's all glued on the wall with some brads, man. It actually looks pretty sweet. That's actually deck like five quarter deck boards, man. That was awesome. I know it took like what half an hour, hour to do. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, no, I don't know if it was a half hour. <laughs> it was a little longer than that, man. But uh, uh, and then also Rob, Rob from Concept Thirteen, who built the table here, the frame. So that's that's the interesting. He burned a logo in the corners there, and now we've got a proper podcast table that's eighty four inches by eighty four inches. That Wouldn't was, fit uh, in a sprinter. Had to go inside your truck to that get was it here. A cool, uh, his cool his shop. The, just the wood stuff there is awesome. <laughs> so I want to welcome everybody to the construction life, and let's. Uh, we're gonna have a gambit of stuff that I want to talk about, Jason. I want to just uh, a bunch of things, but I want to start off by um, construction bone to pick. I want to tell everybody a little story, a little bedtime story, it involves an inspector and a, and a closing of a, of a particular job. I love stories. You love stories, eh? So I did a job. Um, actually, Flo was on that job, right? Uh, so we did a job. Everything was fine. We had our inspections rough, and our, everything was fine. But then this junior inspector came in, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Probably it was older than him, uh, the chip. And uh, <laughs> went through everything. Documents were there. Signed off on everything, but for whatever reason, the exercised window that wasn't cut out and created for uh, the, the opening for the basement, uh, he looked at the bottom of it and he basically said, um, how close is that to the footing? So I took out a measuring tape and I showed it to him and we built it exactly as per the drawings, right? So it worked out to be, it was 42 inches from the bottom of the window to the top of the footing. So he starts giving me lip. I need an engineer's report on that. I start disputing this. He's insistive. And all of a sudden he just says, no, I need an engineer. So now time goes by, he signs off on everything. A year goes by and the client finally decides to close out this permit. He's now giving the client lip. And now the client's asking me to get involved. We had an architect technologist do the drawings. Now an architect is one thing and architect technologist is another thing. So a technologist can draw up a building up to 12 or 13,000 square feet, right? Yeah. They're not an engineer. The engineer on the job retired. So I actually reached out and he was in retirement mode, which I respected. Yeah. I challenged the inspector and I said, why can't the architect technologist sign off on this? And he basically said, uh, as per the OBC, you need an architect and or an engineer to sign off on this. So I asked him again nicely and he just basically said, no, I want to report. Just kept on saying that. That's all he kept on saying. So I finally said, well, listen, I want to speak to your supervisor, right? First, before that, I actually spoke to Mr. Smith, who's been on the show before, who's a, a building inspector, who's yeah. no longer in the Toronto area, but he's moved out of the area and he's inspecting outside of the area. And I reached out to him and I just asked him, how do I handle this? Because obviously 
egos are involved. Oh yeah. At this point. So I said, I want to speak to your, your, uh, your supervisor within the hour. I get introduced to his supervisor and to his general manager at the building office in Toronto. Right. So then all of a sudden I introduced myself to his boss. The boss finally gets back to me and he says, well, I'm just reviewing things right now. It looks like there was a, a lento installed and it looks like there was a beam installed. I go, no, this has got nothing to do with that. That was all signed off. The reports are there. The engineers, this was all submitted. Pictures were given. Everything was fine. This is about 42 inches from the bottom of the window well to the top of the footing. Right? That's what this is about. So then his well, boss has a review of everything. Is there a required height for it to be? So this is where I'm getting oh, to. Okay. This is where I'm getting to. Right? So we go back and forth. The supervisor is getting caught up. During these emails back and forth, the inspector, Chip, chimes in and starts expressing rubbish. Starts talking crap about certain things that he said he never looked at when he initially came by for the inspection. I respond back nicely, and I basically say, well, I'm sorry, he's incorrect, and I was there, my employer was there, and the homeowner was there. So these three people will vouch against what he's just saying right now. And this is no longer about this beam, this lintel. This is all signed off. None of this crap, right? This is about the 42 inches from the bottom of the window to the top of the footing. That's all I kept on saying over and over, right? And I kept on saying, I do not require an engineer to sign off on this, right? Because their issue was frost. This was about frost line. So now you made a window bigger in a basement and you've come too close to the frost line the minimum OBC requirement for frost line. So finally, I speak to another architect, and he doesn't want to vouch for it. I speak to, um, I get introduced to a cold consultant now. So now the cold consultant gets back to me. I leave a message and he gets back to me. And I explain the situation to him. And he goes, I'm fed up with this. This is crap. This window has nothing to do with an engineer report. You don't have to do anything other than demand that they sign off on this and i'm like oh okay well you got to kind of explain this to me now right so then he started explaining to me he goes listen um what exactly is the measurement from the bottom of the window well to the top of the footing i said 42 inches he goes all right you realize that frost line starts at the bottom of the footing oh my god i didn't know that he goes it does yeah so a footing is six inches so we're at 42 inches plus 6 inches. We're at 48 inches. Minimum OBC is 1.2 meters. Translates to 47.2 inches. So this cold consultant tells me, call the supervisor inspector. Don't send an email because you're going to push his back. That's all you're going to do, right? And then he's going to have to defend it. So I call him and leave a message. I explain everything. The cold consultant was nice enough to give me the actual points that are in the OBC explaining this. The book that the inspectors should be should know. abiding by. Yes. Huh. So all of a sudden, I send him the points, the number, everything, explain, 42 inches plus the footing. We're at 48. We're within OBC. We do not require an engineer report for this sign-off. So his supervisor gets back to me and he, he goes, well, I just got your message. Okay, let me review things. And I'll get back to you. We're going into the long weekend. I'll get back to you. No problem at all. He calls me. I couldn't get, I couldn't reach because I was doing concrete all day. And all of a sudden he sends me an email. I'm closing this report. I'm closing this permit. I'm like, okay, thanks very much. So 
no apology, no addressing, no nothing. So I speak to the inspector who's got a chip on his shoulder. I speak to the supervising inspector. I speak, uh, it's also the managers involved, constantly telling them 42 inches at the top of the footing to the bottom of the window. So basically we prove that they're incorrect and we're correct and we don't need an engineer report and that's it. We're going to close the permit and that's, that's the end of the story. And I'm like, that's crap. It's wrong. The junior had a chip on his shoulder and he just wanted to basically pull, push his weight around on the job so site. Flex. That's all it was. So I have yet to, it's been a, it's been a few weeks now, but I definitely am going to, I'm going to compose an email and send it to this inspector outlining that first of all, he should have known where frost line was. And second, he should never have delayed this the way he did or treated us or the homeowner this way. Yeah. So that's, I just want to share that little story there. But it's funny how <laughs> even with anything that when there's wrong been done by people of supposed authority, how all of a sudden, once they're caught, you see them on TikTok, Instagram, people, people policing the police, you know, you can't pull me over. You can't do this. I don't need to show my ID. Am I being detained? All that crap. Same thing, people of authority doing stuff, and then when they're caught and they realize they're wrong, it's just a simple, well, you're free to go. Oh, yeah, we'll take care of this. All done. Yeah, but um, it should be It should be a there's simple... Never a, there's never an admission of guilt. There's never an apology. But there should there's be. There's never an ownership. There should be, though. He, sh he should have reached out to me because his bogus email about explaining that he didn't look at this and he didn't look at that it was just trying to jab at me to basically weaken our side. But basically, it's like they hang their head down. They want to... You know, they're all butthurt because of it, and they'll say nothing and just, you know, basically sulk and suck it up and go do their thing, but they'll never say, hey, listen, you know what? This is my fault. I'm sorry about that. Never going to see that. It's it's a shame, right? But I, I don't appreciate it. And also, Mr. Smith was in touch with me the whole time. He was asking me, so how's it going? I explained everything to him, and he goes, well, that's a shame. And sometimes guys are like that, and I get it. They're all humans and stuff like that. But this guy just had a chip, and I'm, I'm telling you, like this guy was probably in his 20s, and I'm not saying it's because of his age. I'm just saying that he didn't have the experience to understand what he was demanding and it's too easy for inspectors to turn around going just get me the engineer report and as tradespeople, we should not just bend right over no. and get an engineer's report well if they're wrong and we find out that they're wrong we should challenge them yeah and at the same token i mean he's done that okay he didn't admit guilt he didn't say sorry nothing like that but at the same time I mean, what happened at work? Probably nothing. Well, it's, you know, what's funny is that I'm not even on the permit. It was the architect, and I was strung along the whole middle of this thing, right? I was taking care of this stuff because I was trying to make the client happy. And I just didn't appreciate that he was literally wasting my time because I had to prove him wrong. And you got sucked back into that after it was all said and done. It was all done. The job was done, right? And just for everybody's reference here, um, it's under Part 9. It's Table 1221 Division C. That's where you'll find this frost line requirement of 1.2 minimum to meet OBC, Ontario Building Standards, uh, in, in here in Ontario. That's it. Yeah. Hmm. So, that was moving a good, along there. That was a good story. <laughs> well, you know what? It's just you get older and you try to compose yourself because obviously I wanted to write certain things in the email, but it made no sense. I just kept on replying back with facts. I, like I spoke to this person. I spoke to this person. And I didn't understand why the city wouldn't just let this go. Yeah. Right. And I get it. It's because he's a chip and he just wants to prove that we're wrong. Yeah. But we weren't wrong. He was wrong. And so I am going to, I'll send him an email, man. I want to see, he won't acknowledge, he won't, he won't do anything about it, but it'd be funny to cross paths with him again. Yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, get that same inspector on another job, but I mean, we'd have to do another job. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Jason, I want to actually, I think, was it you I was having this conversation with or was it somebody else I'm trying to have? Like, I mean, I'm getting old and senile now that I'm trying to remember who I'm having conversations with or not. And when all said and done, when you look at two different contractors, tradespeople, whatever it is, doing similar work scope, who's making more profit? The cash guy or girl or the legitimate Guy or girl, tradesperson. Oh, in all honesty, I would say the legitimate one because of all the people. Is making more money profit-wise? Pro- sorry, I, profit. Who's making more profit? I would still say the legitimate guy. Really? The guys that are doing cash, the guys that I see them all the time, they're working for cash. They're, and when I say cash, I mean like not charging tax, giving people cut rate deals, doing everything under the no table. No certificates, WSIB, no insurance forms being submitted to clients or whatever. Driving the trucks without a yellow sticker, not having all the proper insurance, not having all the coverage. But they're not charging the same amount that you're charging. Yeah. So they don't have all that overhead. But at the same time, maybe I'm wrong, but every single guy I know that operates under the table on cash business... They're all struggling. None of them none of them are driving around and So why is there such an underground economy? Why is it that we're always being bitted out by the cash guys out there? Why is it that clients are always choosing the cash guys over legitimate guys? I'm, How are they making a profit at that point? I mean, I'm not getting chewed out by those guys. I mean, I'm not even in the same realm with them anymore. You know, people come to me and they tell me I'm on a limited budget. I'm like, yep not your guy you know i have a quote from this i had an interesting one and through legitimate sources through other companies and it's a game that i don't play um you come to me i'll come out i'll look at the job i'll give you some numbers i'll give you a scope of the work here's what it's going to cost i'll give you a limited breakdown you know i don't do a, i'll do a line by line item for scope but the job breakdown, how I break it down into my labor costs, my profit margins, my material costs, that's on me. But aren't you hearing from clients that are bidding other people and you're coming in at your price and all of a sudden they come in and go, well, we had a guy come in and he gave us a price that was half your price. Yeah, oh, I hear it a lot. And I just tip of the hat saying, congratulations. Uh, you, deserve every, you deserve every dime you get to spend with them because I know the players. And even if I don't know who they are, I still know what my margins are and I know what other people are paying. And if they tell me they're going with another guy and I know the product they're using, they're paying a premium or they're maybe they're getting a great deal on whatever, but the product is crap. And whether it's doesn't matter what it is, it window I'm windows, doors, bathrooms, whatever, renos, but it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, there's only so many sources for only so many things. And when we're in when we're in our field of battle doing any trade we do, you just know what's what and who's what. And I, I took a few interesting quotes this year, big money jobs in old red brick homes, and I submitted my quotes, and people came back. I've gone back three, four times giving people, i got to stop giving people ideas that they can feed other people with for free. But it's just the nature of the but game. But that's how you are as an individual, yeah. right? It's not so much as you are as a, as a tradesperson. That's how you, that's your character. Yeah. I mean, if I see something and I see room for improvement, I'll tell them upon it. And they show me, some people show me other people's quotes. And some people just basically, and I've been told whether they show them to me or not, 
well, so-and-so was, well, they were about the same. Like, I kid one job, full full window, full house, the whole nine yards, came in. Well, you were like 44000 and they were forty four, but they gave us a, they gave us a 22% discount. And Over the other, whole job? Yeah, and this other company, and you look on the, and they showed me the quote, and it just said in, like, uh, in parentheses, uh, customer, valued customer appreciation discount. I'm like, 22%? I'm like, what the fuck is this? Isn't this your profit margin at that point? Well, 10 for marketing, 10 for your business? But I mean, if you're a bigger company, I mean, if, if you, I mean, a bigger company, but I mean, like, if you have multiple installers, uh, multiple tradespeople, if you're an HVAC company and you've got 10 crews, roofing crews, yeah, you're going to get better volume discounts than I will. But at the same time, it's still labor being installed, like doing the job. But they're, there's, they're going for volume on labor. They'd rather do 10 medium-paying jobs than two or three high-paying jobs. Did you used to be like that? Never. You were never like that in any part no. of the game? I, I would chase jobs. I would, I would always take the jobs. I charge what I charge. Like I, am, I do not negotiate. I'll go a little bit. You know, a little bit up, a little bit down. But when I give a price, it's a fair price for what I'm doing. So if I just, let's just say it's a $25,000 job. Oh, can you do it for 20? No. If I could do it for 20, we'd do it for 20. Has every one of your quotes you submitted has been challenged? Um, or have you had no. one client where it's like, okay, that's the price. Thank you. All right, well, you're hired. Thank you. Um, I'd say 80% of them are like that. Maybe Maybe more. So you're only defending 20% of the quotes you're submitting. That's even, yeah, not even that. Not even that. In all honesty, I. Because the word of mouth is getting out there. But at the same, not even the word of mouth. I'm also, when you go to talk to people, like I mean, even now, I've spent thousands of dollars this year on having a website built. They're looking after my social, they built me a Facebook. I've never, I haven't seen the website yet. I've already paid about three or four grand for it. (laughs) They keep sending me things Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to write this blog. We're going to do that. If we don't hear from you, we'll go ahead with these changes. I read that email, then go three, four down, look at the fires I got to put out, deal with those, forget about it's like, All I know is each month I'm getting charged 600 bucks. I was like, well, it's doing something. Like, again. But are they showing you traction numbers on that website saying that you're actually getting work from there? No, not yet. I mean, I'm going to sit down because, again, like how many years have been? Is that part of their scope too? Are oh they, yeah, oh yeah. They'll, 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 okay, all right. They put me on the search engines at the top. Whatever they, whatever I pay them, lots of money to do. They've, they've, they mean they gave me a nice logo. They brand. So you're getting me. work. You're getting work for pay per clicks kind of thing. You're actually getting a job. Is that what actually? I've probably. I don't know. I have. Yeah, you don't know yet. I don't even know yet. I don't even know yet because again, I haven't had any business cards made yet. I haven't stickered the truck. I haven't even that the hats, the T-shirts. I have all these plans to do stuff. You haven't done. You haven't had the time. You've been such a crazy busy this year, doing massive jobs and cranes and windows and. Like and that's the other thing. I mean, the scope of work has changed. I've, I tripped and you just you trip and fall. Somebody asks you, stop saying. I got to stop saying yes. Can you do this? Yes, I can. Uh, oh, so, I've I've gone into some new realms, some new equipment. We've tried it doesn't it doesn't it's not so much it makes the job easier so like we're doing really large window installations with glass when you say really large like what are we talking about here like 10 12 14 feet wide by 10 12 14 feet tall heavy uh, triple pane windows windows that are in excess of 800 to 1500 to 2000 pounds so even (sighs) if that's too heavy even if i had a team of people 
full time at my disposal, you still can't do this with people because suction cups only have so much uh, capacity. Uh, people, all it takes is one person in a chain of eight guys to sprain an ankle, to lift too hard, to crack a rib, to put his back out. Not show up. Not show up. <laughs> Once that domino falls, then glass falls on people. People get hurt. People die. Even scaffolding. You see these yahoos, they're still using telehandlers with straps and cranes, like telehandlers with straps, lifting windows up um, and muscling it in, having the scaffold set it up. And when it's getting up there, you see the guys like, like tugging they, it. They, they didn't want to pay for the boom. Is that the reason why? Telehandlers on site because the brickies just finished their job or Most something? Most likely, yeah. Most wow. likely, yeah. I mean, it cost, us, it cost us money to go and get uh, licensed on a crane. Yeah. Um, we went and got our zero to eight and then our eight to 15 ton crane operator license. Um, I thought that it was just to rent the crane from this one company, but it's like getting your working at heights, getting your first aid CPR. It's a provincial legislation. It's a provincial card so that I can, like if I wanted to use like a man lift and I don't have my elevated man lift. So like, what does it cost you now? Um, thousand bucks. Well, it's a thousand bucks annually. Uh, no, for the course. For the course. You know, and then... You uh, get your certification from there. You get your certification from there. But again, it takes... It's a day to go and do. So there's a day of lost revenue. Now, is it you or the whole team now? Anybody I, who handles it? I basically... So my whole team consists of myself and my son, Gabriel. Okay. Uh, so there's the two of us. Because again, I mean, trying to find somebody to work, that's a whole separate conversation. That's another podcast. Um, but I basically put the two of us through it. I would have put through more people through it, but I don't have more people. Um, but at least we're both trained, so we can both operate. Um, but again, you set up scaffolding on the side of a house. The scaffolding, the decks, the, the, the equipment, the cages, everything has a limit to what it can hold. Yeah. It cannot hold a 1,500-pound window. So you've seen these guys build scaffolding and putting these units on top of the scaffold yeah. itself? Or they'll basically get the telehandler in. It's got straps under the window. So eventually those straps have to come off the window in order to go into the hole. So that means that that window comes in and there's going to be three or four guys on the scaffolding. So the weight of those guys... With what, suction cups? Yeah, with suction cups. Uh, and then they're holding it like... I mean, the potential for failure across the board... It's dangerous. Is, ...is catastrophic. And, and, and people will basically go and hire that crew... Because they're three or four, because they don't have, so on my, on my stuff when I'm doing this now, just, just, just for clarity, for what do you call it, um, full disclosure, I'll have my install price, I will have my room, so if we're, on, if we're on, on a multiple day site, a week, two weeks, if I'm staying in a hotel somewhere, there's going to be an accommodation, food accommodation and fuel surcharge, and that's a line item. Because you know what you and your crew Physically, mentally, yeah. are able to do in I a am, work day. I, I, so, oh, you can stay in our basement. Fuck you and fuck your basement. <laughs> if I'm going to travel and I'm going to work 10 to 12 to 15 hours a day, I'm not staying in Mike's Shady Shack Hotel. No, I'm no. staying at a decent Holiday Inn, Embassy Suites. I don't care. I'm staying somewhere nice where I'm going to have a hot shower, unlimited water, Wi-Fi, and a nice, soft, clean bed that I don't have to share a room with some other jerk off who likes to snore and do whatever they do at night. I want my own. And even then, I still fucking hate traveling. 
I still don't sleep. Well, at the as end well. of a long day, man, the last thing you want to do is oh, get in there and yeah. all of a sudden travel this whole yeah. distance, right? I mean, I've done it. I don't like doing it. So we'll do long days, but I have a separate line item for my for my accommodation charges. I'll have a separate line item for the crane and for those charges. Are the clients appreciative of all, all these line items? Do they understand them or are they just glazed right over and just realize, the well, let's get The professional home builders that we go and install for, they appreciate it because then they can see where my labor costs lie. They can see where my, like why I'm charging what I'm charging for. Here, so, so if they were to call the company, they'll go, okay, well, uh, we were billed five grand for this crane. Um, how much is it if we would rent it and he would have it show up on site? It's more or less the same amount. There's a small, maybe there's a 10% because my time to organize that, schedule that, stick around while it's picked up and dropped off, it, that's worth at this least ten percent. This is the GC asking you this, or the homeowner? Uh, this this would be. I don't. I never even get asked that. Okay. It's just something that if they were to call to confirm, like a car, like you know, you're going to rent a car from Hertz, and then you lend that car to your buddy. You've paid twelve hundred bucks for it, but you charge him two grand. And if he charges calls and said, "Hey, why is this two grand?" and he's only charge, like, you know what I mean? So there's no discrepancy there. Well, there's got to be a small little markup attached yeah. to it because it's, you're doing work. You know. Outside of your scope, my labor my labor rates will reflect what we do, and then the erroneous charges, like you know, if they want, if they like, I said, if there's a crane rental involved, if there's equipment, if we have to rent scaffolding, if we have to bring in specialty equipment, and it's not on site, at least they know what they're paying for. Yeah, and maybe there's a ten to fifteen percent add on for that, just for an administration charge, because getting all that done takes time. I did, it. It gets me back to. The cash versus the legitimate guys. Well, this is it. I just, so, I honestly believe that the cash guys are making more profit than well, the legitimate guys. Again, I did. Uh, somebody reached out to me and they had, they're building a, a semi detached. One house, left side and right side look identical. Both sides had equal amount of windows and doors. Again, they wanted me to give them an install price, and the windows were massive. Triple pane, big and heavy. Now, the nice thing was, open on each side, I could get a nice piece of equipment in there to rent it and do that thing. I gave them a price. 12000 for this house, 12000 for that house, crane rental on top of it. So I was about twenty five, I was about thirty grand said and done. Um, didn't hear back, because again, these fucking idiots. <laughs> you send them something. They Don't bu- hold back, Jay. They bug me. Day and day out. Hey, have you got the quote? Do you have time to look at it? Do you have time to look at then it? Then you give it. And then finally, I sit down, begrudgingly do it because paperwork is not my forte. But I'll sit down, get it done, figure it out, look at it three different ways, look at the most fair. Look at the most fair for me because ultimately I'm the one doing the work. Yeah. Send it off to him. Radio silent. Nothing. Send an email. Hey, did you get my quote? Yeah, we got it. Thank you. And... Same again. Another week. I give people a week or so at a time. It's a what new, are they doing? It's a new build. They're shopping. Oh, they're shopping. They're shopping. So sure enough, finally sent an email. Um, and I, um, I read it. I just I listened to the audio version of the book. Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, how to Negotiate. I think it was How to Negotiate for any, Anything. Ne- how to t- Not Take No for an Answer. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, Voss. Somebody yeah, Chris, Voss. Uh, Chris. Chris Voss. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. And um, I was doing this. even I, I just always did this before he did it because I found it was a good tactic. 
And one of his things he says is, instead of saying, hey, I'm just following up, you say to somebody, so have you given up on this project? Yeah. And just I, get to the point. And I've always said that. I said, hey, so are you not doing this anymore? <laughs> oh, no, no, we're doing it. But we found somebody who'll do the job for over half your cost and include the equipment. Great. And I just sent back saying, I hope you get everything you pay for. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and again, I mean, it's just like, and I mean, again, I know the costs involved. I know what's involved in that. And okay. But again, for me, that job was an hour and a half away. So I took into account three hours of driving every day for a good couple of weeks. You took your time to factor in exactly what it yeah. should cost. So if you had and a you local should be within five, 10 points of anybody else that's in the same ballpark as you regarding quality and service to deliver. And I know that that guy who's coming in to do that, they say as including the equipment, I know they're not using that equipment. Because there's only a handful of people. The that last rent thing you want is so you want a safety risk, man. The last thing you want anything like that. So many companies, the, my so-called competitors, people I've worked for, I can't tell you how many times, even homeowners, they'll go and sell a job. They would, they'll take the lower guy down. They'll take a guy that's less money because he's not looking at risk. He doesn't care if his guys get hurt. If anybody gets, oh yeah, we'll we'll do those we'll do those high windows. We'll do that siding. We'll do this. Oh, we don't need scaffold. We don't need to worry about any of this stuff. We don't need to worry about tie-offs. I see all that stuff. The risk we I we use safety equipment tie. It's standard, right? That's just how it is, it's, right? When I was younger, sure, I'd jump up a forty-foot ladder just to prove to, I can do this. Now, Jay, do you do this because you had? A close call or you had an accident I have, or you just do this because it's common sense when you get on a job site. i have come off ladders i have put objects through my body knives nails you name it i've had limbs severed i've had things come like i've put oh, bones broken tendons ruptured i've been beaten the shit out of through this job this work <laughs> has literally beat me up all in the name of trying to earn a dollar and be your own boss like, is it worth it? I don't fucking know because you're still trying to figure I'm that still, one out. I'm almost 50 and still working. Yeah, you know what? But at the same time, I've doubled my prices, maybe tripled them. However, the problem is the work hasn't halved. You know, you see a lot of memes going on right now. Um, well, if you're getting every job you've sold, then you're leaving money on the table. Like, if you're getting every quote, that you put out there and you're getting every is, single is one. Is that a fair blanket to try, like put across the entire industry when you got sort of spokespeople like that out there that are saying that? In all honesty, I, I don't know if it is or isn't because I, I see guys who are doing, I see guys that do the shittiest work, the underhanded, conniving, and they're busier than hell. I see people that do talk. It all depends on your client. That's what I mean. I go back to the cash versus legit. Profit, just strictly profit. I increased our prices because one, the cost of everything went up. So our bottom line went up. So we had to increase, right? That's why we went up. You know, nothing, nothing got cheaper, right? But at the same time, we also upped our level of service. You know, gone are the days of just doing stuff quick. It's like, oh yeah, just throw this in and get it done. No, there is planning. There is prep. There is what happens with all the waste. Waste itself has gone up. No longer is like oh it's like fifty bucks to get rid of this house lot. Oh, it's expensive. Now it's like no. five hundred to a thousand. It's expensive. It's all the little extra things that are costing everything. 
but the cost of doing the co- the fuel surcharges, everything has gone up. So we literally have just risen to the numbers to just accommodate to cover our expenses. But at the same time, I mean, we know what we're doing. We do what we do, but we also want to give the best quality service. But I'm not going to give the best quality service for like a bargain budget rate. You can't. So I don't think that's fair. All right, let me take a little little break here. Uh, I just want to let everybody know about uh, a website, www.thecontractorpanel.com. I'm encouraging everybody to check it out. Uh, basically, its value add is uh, shape the future of the construction industry and earn reward points while doing it. When you join the contractor panel and share your expert opinions, you influence industry decision makers and determine what the industry looks like for the years to come. You are compensated for every survey you take, and you can choose to spend your incentives at retailers and restaurants you already love, like Amazon. I love Amazon. I'm sorry. It's a love-hate, but I love Amazon. Walmart, Texas Roadhouse, and more. So everyone, please check out thecontractorpanel.com. I got to do a little shout-out. Joe, Joe from That Korean Carpenter, at That Korean Carpenter. Is he French? He's not French. He's Irish. I think he's an Irish lad there. No, he's not. Uh, He shared a post with me. Uh, Someone posted a comment. Why are hard workers with good work ethics so hard to come by these days? I worry for the TikTok generation. Nothing comes easy. You know what I mean? And, uh, and Joe just replied, was not expecting this kind of response with what I thought was a pretty universal opinion shaking my head. And I agreed with Joe. And we had a conversation over DMs. And, and I just, I've had this conversation over and over as every TikToker, every social media influencer. I mean, you can go back into the days. And, and I mean, when I was in film school, everybody in the classroom thought they were Spielberg. You know what I mean? There isn't a Spielberg in every single classroom. So if you think that you're, you know, the ultimate Kardashian or whatever, sure. But not everybody's going to be that influencer out there. So that's my argue. So I was like, I was laughing with Joe about that. And I just thought I'd share that because everyone has an idea of how I feel about the influencing world, so to speak. I think back to that George Carlin, uh, one of his uh, shows he did, I think it was called as Bad For You, when he says that in the age of giving everybody compliments and rewards, and he says, um, what was it? Uh, Kids nowadays don't hear those ever powerful, ever influencing words. <laughs> you lost, Tommy. You're a loser. Nobody likes you. You don't hear those, man. You don't. And I think we should start bringing those back. Everybody gets a medal. Everybody's special. Oh, I don't get helicopter parents. And the all problem that. is, yeah. as soon as everybody's special, nobody's special. No, that's bottom line. So, all right. So I, I interrupted you for a second there. Oh, that's right. No, no, I, to- I totally wanted. I, I wanted to. Um, were you finished on that or were you like oh yeah no i was just uh (laughs) it's just the uh just just seeing it across the board how um it's like a roofing company you'll watch guys come in that'll set up the tarps they'll set up the lawn protection they'll set this up they'll set this all the things they need to do they'll have the proper dump trailer the gypsies the way it's just it's unfolding it's just it's you can tell between a good and a bad. But then you'll get guys that show up in trucks that are like held together with just duct tape and, you know, rust and, and, and bad dreams. And they'll come <laughs> in and strip everything down. There's no protection in sight. Bad dreams. And, and they're just looking at like, well, they were like 10000 bucks cheaper. I'm like, and, and people. How is there such a discrepancy in pricing, though? And how is you homeowner can 
can allow that. Well, this is what I was saying. So when I went to that job and he said, this company will give me a 22% customer value discount. Does that mean that they increased their prices by 22% knowing that they walked in and going, I'm going to give you this incentive now? That's what I can't figure out because he, and he had another quote from another company that was about 20% less. And he looked at me and was, and was honestly asking me, how come you're not giving me a discount? Now, at that point, I just knew that, like, I just wanted to walk out, but I was like, well, I might as well have fun with it. (laughs) And I looked at him straight in the eye and I was like, I don't understand. Why would I give you a discount? And he's like, well, they give me a discount. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, who are you? You're fucking no one. Do you go retail shopping and all of a sudden just ask everybody, go yeah. to your optometrist, go to your uh, orthodontist, go to your lawyer, go to everybody, and you're just asking everybody for a discount? Yeah, like, Why is it that the construction industry is always asked discounts? Like when I go to always. When I go get a burger from Harvey's and like five discount. $5.95. <laughs> Four, yeah, I'll give four you four shiny loonies here for you. Yeah, that reminds me, I'm gonna get you a sucker with Chris Rock ordering one rib. Yeah, one, one rib. So <laughs> I just, I see, I see the guys that are, it, and and what gets me is that if people were willing to pay X amount of dollars, and then I came in and given more money, less money, it's, I just don't understand. They're overinflating. To sh- oh, we gave you thirty percent off of what? An arbitrary number you made up. But that, so that's your competition. That's who you're competing against. It, honestly, though, I've had... Is I, that the new version of the cash guys? No, these, these are legitimate companies. Like, these are big-name window companies. But their whole thing is they don't... Like, they have... You have your installing crews that are paid... They're paid just enough to stay, but paid just... They're paid just enough to stay, kept busy enough that they can't look for work, right? So, and they're doing their thing... Um, and so then, it's designed by purpose. Oh hell yeah! And then you've got the sales guys who have never worked on a site or installed or done any work, whether it's a roofing company, windows and doors, construction. The salespeople, ten nine times out of ten, have never actually they don't know fuck all about it. Like I know many roofing companies that say, "Hey, we can teach you how to sell a roof in like twenty six minutes." Right? And if you can sell, you can. Sell. If you're a salesman, you're a salesman. It's like being a business owner. Wow. Remember that? Remember the episode with the uh, you can get your master plumber license, so you can become a master plumber without being a plumber, just to employ plumbers, so yeah. you can run the business. Yeah. Same thing with master electrician, I believe. I think that was one of the where you could get your license, so you could hire electricians to do the work. Like I know a lot of HVAC people who are not HVAC techs. I could become an HVAC business. I could just hire the right gas fitters and techs. There and are a lot of business. businesses out there that do that. Yeah. Running a business has nothing to do with, like, that was the that skill whole, trade. Yeah. That was that Profit for Contractors book by, uh, uh, what was his name there? Um, I forgot his name. But he's the same thing. Just because we're all tradesmen, women, people, that we think that, okay, I'm a great carpenter. I can go to business for myself. No. You ever no, done it's, a, it's and two then sides. You start learning. I mean, you got, I tell people all the time. Learn much about business before you become a trades. If you want to run a business, learn how to run a business. It doesn't matter the trade or job you do. Well, if you want to be a much better trades person or a business owner, learn the business part far more than learn the trade part. Yeah. Trade part, you already have it in the bag. You already understand it. Like with me, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in that position where I'm still hands-on, but I've got to be 
the business owner. I've got to sell the jobs. I've got to quote them. I've got to get it out. Plus, I've got to go work at them. At least I've got a great accountant and I've got a great behind the scenes stuff with the money and all that where I just walk away. I give all my receipts, the bookkeeper, the accountant, they look after everything and I just, I just give them the checks and then they just let me know if, you know, if we're failing. We're not failing, but you know what I mean? So I want to share a little history with you, Jason. I got a question for you. Once upon a time <laughs> in the deep, deep, dark forest. What <laughs> is the oldest business ever since Pros- we're talking prostitution. about prostitution? No, 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 no. What is the oldest legitimate business ever? And I bring this up because the answer is 100% construction relevant. Rent? Like landlord? No. Hotel? No. Going far further. Japanese to begin with. So a company called Kongo Jumi, as of 2021, was first founded in 578 it's the oldest existing company worldwide. Building, building? Like building huts? So what they do is they build temples. temples. They construct shrines. So they've been operating for f- 1,444 years. Jeez. Right? So it's a family-run. It was a family-run company for about 1,400 years until 2006. 1,400. When, when the company struggled financially and became a subsidiary of Takimotsu. Uh, and it, it employed over 100 individuals and had an annual budget of about 70 million. It continues to specialize in Buddhist temples, construct shrines and temples that cultivates and brings calmness to your mind. I feel very confident that Buddha is in no way benefiting from those proceeds. <laughs> no, but I found it very, very interesting that that, like, I mean, such a business and its construction. That's, I mean, why does Japan have the oldest companies? Well, I think it's the society. It's the focus on, you know. Yeah, it's a general long-term orientation. So, I mean, the culture itself, respecting tradition and ancestors. Tradition, that's it. You know, combined with the fact that it has been an island country. Like, you know, like little things like, you know, you don't show emotion as much. You keep stuff to yourself. You behave a certain way. And and anybody that's in construction here respects um, fine woodworking skills. Yeah from carpentry, from Japanese, right? And it's just like their mentality is to make the most out of life, right? What it has to offer. That's yeah. how they look at it, right? So um, how old is Japan? It's 15 million years old. What are they popular for? They're popular for traditional arts, including tea ceremonies, calligraphy, and flower arranging. Expressing women's rights. Uh, uh, no, you're thinking China. You're thinking China. There. No, 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 Japan. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Is it Japan as well, too? Oh, yeah. uh, well, on that note, what are <laughs> the five facts about Japan? Some interesting facts about Japan. Japan is extremely clean, and it is. I've been there. Tokyo is the world's most populated city. I've been there. Japan has canned food restaurants. I never came across any one of those ones. Japan has a high life expectancy. That's a fact. They're a blue zone. Japan has many active volcanoes. That's right. Very lovely nuclear facility site that's not leaking anything. True. Each year there's over 1,500 earthquakes. Forest covers 67% of Japan. Mm. And the Japanese in general are attached to nature. The hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) So that was a little bit of history. That was a little bit of history. So what I want to actually talk about now is 
I got an interesting story about the ESA, Electrical Safety Authority. They are the authority. Well, it's actually, I've got two stories, but I'll share one. Um, And the reason I bring this up is because I had a listener, I won't say his name. He's an avid listener. Uh, I'd love to get him on the show one day. He reached out to me and uh, he says, I'm an electrician working in the GTA, Greater Toronto Area, for everybody who's outside of this area. Wanted to reach out to you and ask you a question to see if you have come across this situation, Manny, in the past with clients. I listened to a great podcast episode where you had uh, lawyers talking about liens and dealing with bad clients. And uh, he says, I'm dealing with one absolute piece of shit right now. Mm-hmm. We passed final inspection and closed a permit uh, May of last year, but he still hasn't paid the remaining final balance of 5K. At this point, I don't care about the money. I've been harassed and shit on by this. Uh, he shares some ex- very colorful language right here. I'll leave that on for now. He <laughs> keeps expanding the, the scope of work, creating problems out of nothing, and now threatening me with hiring another electrician to finish his laundry list of nonsense and cha- charge me for the work. I don't know if you've ever come across something like this, but this, uh, but does he have the right to charge me or sue me? Uh, he's a slippery snake and don't have a formal contract with him. I sent him a quote beginning, but he never replied. Him and his wife have made so many changes along the way and added a lot of scope all by the word of mouth. So there isn't even a way of tracking the scope anymore. I don't think either of us have a leg to stand on. I'm just wondering if he can sue me or charge me for something else coming in for someone else coming in and finishing the work, even though he hasn't paid the invoice I sent him over the year ago goes on and on and on and on. Uh, thanks for the fantastic podcast and wealth information from the trades. So well, I can tell you right off the bat, neither one of them have a leg to stand on. They it's, don't. And I told them that. And I, and I said to, from, if, from the story, because I actually asked him for more details. I wanted to get a lot more insight and he did share a lot more insight. And I said to him, based on that information that you're sharing to me, he's just a barking dog and he's not going to sue you. He's yeah. just threatening. And a lot of clients do that. Um, and I said, at this point, I don't think, I think he wants to just scare you. And I just said to him, listen, you're out 5k, consider yourself lucky. Yeah, I was going to say that's, uh, that's, I said, I said, honestly, walk away. I I did make one suggestion to him and I just said, listen, do yourself a favor, compose yourself. Um, don't write a very confrontational email, just break down the facts and send them a very professional email about the scope of work that you've done, how it's been passed and just state facts, right? Yeah, and 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 don't reply after that. Leave it at that. And sure enough, this homeowner replied and made a bunch of threats and a bunch more and all this other stuff. And he wanted to reply. And I said, don't don't yeah, reply. Leave, leave it alone. at that. Yep. Just leave it at that. And I said, okay. Well, regarding suing you, the, here's the lovely part of North America, and you know, U.S. is very litigious to begin with, but Canada is becoming litigious too as well. Anybody can get sued for anything. Yeah. That's just a fact. So it's a question of, I mean, I've heard of stupid stories of people suing people for like $100 and going through the whole process because some people are, for whatever reason, addicted to it. And they enjoy yeah. the misery that's inflicted on somebody else. And and no more greater group of people than I know that I'm a part of is the construction industry that gets put so much misery onto their lives. They like for whatever reason, yeah. people that inflict this kind of legal pain and these threats and all this other crap, 
Do not factor in that you have a family, you have parents that could be ill, you have a significant other that could be ill, you can have kids that could be ill. You like you're not a factor at that point. They you're can. just a bad contractor. You're not even you're not even on their radar. No, so they want to treat you that they, way, right? So they are I, so ingo- they are so engorged within themselves of yes. being right, of being righteous. To I'm going to show they want to be that person yeah. who sweeps floors for a living. Yeah. That's how they look upon you. And it really upsets me when I see that kind of action. So when I get these, and I get several of these, and I encourage a lot of the trades people to reach out to me because I've been through this yeah. and I know other people that have been through this. And I've spoken to so many trades people that have been through all kinds of these stories. And all you can do is you have to weigh your sanity. I got 5K, the amount of stress that's already caused you for the last year and the amount of stress it's caused your personal life as well. Yeah. Walk away from it. I've always said if it's if it's over ten grand, and there's no, and there's if if it's a fight and it's going to be over ten, I was like just leave it alone. Like it's a small price to pay because if you put a if you put a value on your day of say a thousand bucks a day, right? And then what's the cost of your sanity? Yep. Sleeping at night. If it affects your job, if you're out working, if it affects any part, if it affects you at all, that is worth tenfold. For 10 grand, five grand, fucking leave it. Walk it away. And even like you said, he sent the email back. He sent a very factual, everything's written, stated it. Great. That's a record. It's been recorded. If it ever comes up in court, they can see that. It honestly, it won't. But but if 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 it ever does, but I honestly feel no response. This this individual is is a bully. Yeah, block, just, like block his number, block everything yeah, so you can't even get it. That's it. If he wants to spend the time and effort to take you to small claims or for whatever reason, let him do that. But, you but know, again, in small claims court, it's about it's everything. Rel- it gets awarded to the plaintiff or to the defendant based on evidence pre- presented. And if there's no official contract and they only accept... Like emails are, I believe, one thing. Texts, I don't even know if they accept. Yeah, they do. They do to a point they because do. it's easily manipulated. But at the same time. It can be taken out of context. Yes. That's the problem. And then any any lawyer that's against you could, and that's what I've learned before, is that it's not a matter of who's right or wrong. It's whoever can present their version of the truth the best yes. in front of the person who's listening. Yeah. That's it. Regardless if that truth is a lie, it doesn't matter. If that lie was presented truthfully, I mean, the biggest lesson from all of this is not even an ironclad contract, because an ironclad contract doesn't mean shit. No, you could still argue that. You could still be the way he is, yeah. The scope of work needs to be just clearly communicated. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what it costs. Any changes, everything is just recorded, and not on a text, not on a phone call. If you had a conversation, follow it up with with an email. Followed up in the contract, just everything signed, this and that. Even, just keep on clarifying the even, details. And That's even all it is. If you're a cash guy, great. Keep it all on cash. Because even if things go bad and everybody's doing I get paid in cash all the time, but I still claim it. Whether I'm paid by cash, paid by check, paid by e-transfer, it does, cash is not a bad thing, right? It's just another form of payment. That's all it is. Some people want to pay with cash. Sure. You want to pay me cash? Let them. Pay me cash. I still record. I'm still running a legitimate business. I still take it all in and record it as necessary. It is what it is. I mean. I feel for this kid because it's a family run business that he's overtaking and his dad's never been through this. 
And he's also concerned about his reputation. And this is something else that the bully clients out there don't realize is that you can start drumming up a bunch of BS crap. But the funny thing is it's his... I'm posted online. It's his first time. No, I it's mean, his first time. And that's why I was saying, listen, consider yourself lucky at 5K. Consider it tuition. Yeah. Your lesson learned. And that's it. You took a class. But the, the problem is that walk away from it and just uh, like honestly th- move on from there. But the, like, so what does he, what does he do? No, that's what he does. So he's no, 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 electrician. Like, he's electrician. So, but here's the thing. I mean, look at the nonsense people of stature have. Politicians, um, sports figures, whatever. Like well, the privilege thing. The privilege. Look at what. Look at the audacity and the malarkey they do, and then simple you know, meatheads like us go and do our thing. It's his. It's his first hiccup. So of course he's thinking my name's going to get dragged through the mud. I see companies in my town, in the surrounding towns. I see businesses that are absolute scoundrels that do the worst work, that fuck people over every chance they can. But they do that because that's their profit margin. But they're still that's how they busy. Make, yes, I know. And I know companies that have nothing but, go online, they have nothing but bad stuff that are being said to this day about them. And they're still busy. They are. So, so, if, he, so if he's worried about... It was a good conversation. Like, and, if, and, like if he's worried that he's going to get like... He's not losing anything over it. I mean, it's it's just getting your feet wet to the reality that this happens to some people. Is what I think. So. We've all been through that crap. That's just all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is funny is that if you're in construction, you're going to come across this crap. I have yet to meet a tradesperson who hasn't gone through any of this crap. I got it all out of my system early. Um, and I don't, I don't fuck around anymore with people. I go in, I am blunt. Here's what you I get th- a sense of the person oh, too. Yeah. And just by meeting them upon first, like if I walk up there and it's not even a happy meet and greet and they're already bitching, I'll just like turn on my heels. Goodbye. You know, I, cause you already know where this is going to go. I don't need, and I'm not fight, interested yeah. in taking that trip with you. Like if I said, even, even, even if I've given a quote, does it take me a long time to get quotes back? Yes, it does. It's just unfortunately part of my process. I cannot sit down the very next day and get it done because we're, you know, knee deep in work. So if I get that first, you know, one of, you know, you get the ink. Hey, uh, any chance we got that quote back soon? This and that. The first shitty email I get. Hey, you said you're going to get it back. It's been two weeks. What the hell? <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> I got a little OBC talk here, Jason. Let me ask you on the on the theme of frost line. You know, I mean, I do like frost line. Does gravel prevent frost heave? No. Sure. Logically, my brain says no. <laughs> it does not. It's related to the size distribution of soil particles in general. Coarse grain soils such as sands and gravel do not heave. In general, whereas clay, silt, and very fine sand will support the growth of ice. Sorry, so the question, what was the question? Does gravel prevent frost heave? Oh, frost heave. So it actually does prevent frost heave. I think I misunderstood the question. Sorry, so so we know that in Ontario, our frost line is 1.2 meters for your metric boys and girls, and that turns out to be 47.2 inches at the bottom of the footing. Now, how deep is the frost line in other places? For example, Quebec. Uh, that's not 48. I think it's six feet. 
It's Close to five feet. It's 60 inches. Yeah. Uh, Grand Prairies. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> 72, man. <laughs> Six feet. 72 inches. Regina is 72 as well, too. Uh, what temperature does frost heave occur? Only on Fahrenheit here, but we already know. It's 32 degrees Fahrenheit. That's when it starts to begin. Zero? Yeah. Really? From any time temperature fluctuates above or below 32, the 32 mark, frost heaves result from a combination of cold air and adequate soil moisture. As the cold sinks to the ground, water within the soil starts to freeze. So it's just a freezing point. I know where we were up in Collingwood a few years ago. We had a couple of real cold winters where the frost crept like six, seven feet into the ground. And uh, it didn't thaw in some places till like July, August. Wow. Like they, even the township, because where Collingwood is located, it's on a shale bed. So a lot of the water pipes, they just can't drill. Like they can't bury them. So they were telling people, just leave your taps running all winter so they wouldn't freeze. And did the water department see an increase in sales? Oh, no, no. Like they, they, they accommodated for it. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I live on a farm, so we have a well. <laughs> and it's like. 60 feet deep, so we never have a problem with that. But How do you prevent frost heave in concrete slab? In concrete slab, that's uh, the SM board. So there's two general ways to handle slab. Drain it or insulate it? Yeah, insulate it. One way is to drain beneath the slab so there's no water in the soil. To freeze, this could be challenging. There's a slab connected to a ledge since groundwater often follows the contour of the ledge. An outside sump. How do you keep frost out of the ground? I never knew this trick. This is actually a really good trick for your garden beds. Hang on. How do you keep, do frost? You keep frost out of your ground? Mulch. Yeah. Adding mulch to your garden beds will prevent. A little bit of mulch goes a long way when protecting your soil from frost. Adding a layer of organic matter over your garden bed assists in pr- preserving moisture, provides insulation, and most importantly can prevent ice from forming. I think that's why in the fall... Um, some of the things that shows up on our local Facebook pages is uh, uh, people that are trying to protect the bees and the insects, and they say, do not rake your leaves at the end of fall. Let them sit. Let the fall come in. Like, let the snow come in, cover everything, and then everybody's looking for, quote-unquote, the spring cleanup, and you have a couple of these, like, crazy Karen fanatical types (laughs) that whenever people are saying, hey, I'm looking for somebody to come do a come do a, uh, a spring cleanup, they'll give their most wanted opinion and chime in going, oh, you're bee massacres, you're killing this. Oh. And you're, like, I see that a lot. Do they go life. after the avocado people too as well, or what's going on there? Oh, well, my biggest thing on attacking is uh, we, have a, we have a huge um, uh, influx. I don't know what it is with, I don't know if it's on other Facebook groups, but the biggest thing floating around our community message boards is air duct cleaning. Like it's I really mean, there must be everybody's got the same photos, the same. We just we're a family run business. We just moved to town and I have thrown the gloves off and I am just downright insulting like the worst things I can say without dropping the foul words that'll kick me off Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Telling these people where to go, how to do it, what I think of them. I think people on Facebook Marketplace or whatever, the like the messaging board, they're just a little too free willy, man. I think that that should be done face to face and yeah. see everybody shut up. Yeah, and I enjoy it because it's like 
I just insulting people and I'm just going to kick out of it. I got another little Issei story that I want to just share. Um, Tom from uh, Elliot's Trusted Trades was on the show a little while back and we were actually talking about uh, heated surfaces and ESA and how I've ever since I've been in construction, I've always wanted to do vertical. Heated shower walls. Yeah, I always wanted to do vertical and yeah. I'm still going to do it one day, right? And then I had a conversation with... Um, Let's call him Simon. You know, I got a DM. Let's, well, you know, Simon was mentioning to me that... Um, Simon says what? Exactly. ESA will allow vertical heated surfaces. So I was always in the impression that ESA was the, the stumbling block from getting approval to do heated surfaces vertically. Yeah. And he was saying um, it's not the ESA. All it is is the ESA is asking for the manufacturer to give the documentation to sign yeah, off on I'm that. So the problem is that Schluter has these docks in Europe, but they're not providing these docks here in North America. Oh, okay. So until you know Schluter, the manufacturer yeah. of anybody that's doing heated surfaces or heated cable or whatever it is, provides that document for a vertical application and then ESA has a chance to review it, they'll, they'll, they'll sign heated, off. They'll do heated floor bathroom, heated floor shower, of course, heated of course. seats. But you'll do the back of a heated seat. So that's where the thing is that they're allowed to do it at a certain point. Yeah. But now you can't do all the wall surfaces. And I'm like, I'm challenging that. But the problem is that until the manufacturer signs off. So, I mean, Schluter does a lot of things in Europe, yeah. but they don't do them here. Oh, we're like 30, I'd love to find out why. We're like 30 years behind. That's the problem. Is that, you know, so I th it was nice to hear from Simon just mentioning that. Uh, and he's, he's not offended because we're challenging the ESA or anything like that. But it's just uh, he's a longtime listener, too. And so he'll enjoy a uh, shout out there, Simon. <laughs> when we um, should get a uh, phone line in here so people can call in and go. Oh, we can do a live streaming one day, too. Long time listener. First time caller. Yeah, I would love to hear that one day on the show, man. So uh, what is it? Glass. Uh, what, 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 what's going on there? The director's getting a little upset now or something. <sighs> he's, still, Jason, he's still smiling. He's not that upset. Uh, I, actually, I, I just want to add this. So Simon also sent me a pic of a home, specifically the front porch, and how they removed the structural posts and placed a wall of glass instead. My first thought, I hope the engineer that glass because there is such a thing as an engineer for glass. Glass can be, I've seen a structure. And there are engineers that are specifically work with glass as a structure detail such as glass. So it's funny that he brought, he sent this picture, typical front porch, you, you normally have two posts. Yeah. Those posts are structural. Yeah. Holding up There's that a awning. Beam above it or exactly. something. Exactly. Or whatever. The second floor could be the structure, whatever. Now homeowners come along, and like, I don't like that post. I don't like that post. We're going to put glass. You can't just put a structure right on top of whatever it is, 10 mil tempered glass. You can't just do that. You need to get someone to sign off on that. Yeah, you got to have like... Because a, that glass now is acting as a structural It's going to be architectural. Yeah. Made a certain way. Yeah. So actually I, in Collingwood is there's a company uh, called Agnora. Agnora? A-G-N-O-R-A. Okay. And it is the only other facility to my knowledge that is the scope of what they do, which is architectural glasses in Germany. So like like storefront windows, big massive panes, like thick thick stuff, like that's what. Is it do. Germany or is it um, Hermes? Well, you're, you're no, no, Hermes has a store that's made all out of glass brick. Oh, and it ain't like everyone knows that I'm not a fan of glass block because that's my vice days, right? And I never understood yeah. that. 
a glass brick. This Hermes store looks beautiful. Oh, okay. And it's actually, it's structural. It's actually like a brick. So it, it still acts like the purpose of a brick veneer. Yeah. But it's all glass. The whole building's glass. Hmm. But gla you don't want to mess around with glass. When it comes to structure, oh, yeah. you're making glass structure. You need to start speaking to the right people on that. And where we are, Collingwood also has, um, what's that place called? Uh, it's another glass facility. Uh, they do like windshield glass. It's a... Uh, Got the name of it. Apple Auto Care? No. <laughs> it's another, it's another uh, Pilkington. 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 It's, uh, and it's you keep naming, even before the show started, you keep naming all these names of these little towns that I've never even heard of. Pilkington is a big European company, and okay. they do like, so windshield, it, the place is the size of like three or four Costco's. Oh, wow. And they produce like, like, like that kind of glass. Like it's massive facility. So... You know, what, one other uh, what's that? One other thing it's I've just noticed with uh, a lot of companies that are getting out there is uh, permits. What about permits? Oh, the lack of permits getting. What do you mean issued? Yeah, like again from a window. They're never approved. They're always a, from issued from a window and door perspective. Like going in. I forgot to mention that. Sorry to interrupt. I just forgot to mention that part of my story at the very beginning of this whole show is that uh, I explained to the chip inspector. I built it exactly to the joints. Yeah. But even though it was a, a fault on the city, they still felt that it was my responsibility as a person building it to fix it. Yeah. But there was nothing to fix because it wasn't broken is what I was trying to explain to them. So sorry. Yeah, I interrupted. Yeah, no, Permits. No, no, yeah. But it's, again, I'll lose out because I'll come in. People show me a job. They're doing this. Like, okay, well, we're moving, you're moving this wall, we're moving this, you want a door where there was no door, you want a door where there was a window, or you want a window where there was just a wall, things like that. Like, I hear structure, 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 yeah. structure. And it's like, okay, well, we may not need an engineer on this, but we'll need to at least get a permit for this. And as soon as I start mentioning, I, I, I lose some jobs because of that, because, again... I don't know what it is, how retarded homeowners are, but as soon as they see those words that I'm going to sign off, this and that, we got to get this, but yet my so-called competition will come in and go, ah, you know, if you don't say anything, I won't say anything. But do homeowners not understand, like, okay, so you're making your window openings larger. Nobody. Nobody, nobody racking. Gets. You're actually compromising the structure of the building the way it was built originally. I will come in and tell people they need this. I now explain to them. So you're not an engineer, but you've been on enough jobs and projects that you've seen the engineers come in. So you've got an ear open to what they're saying. And so you're understanding racking and shear wall and all this we other have stuff. A permit if we're affecting electrical, plumbing, yeah. structure, yeah. or HVAC. Yeah. Just the simple things. Basically everything. I open up a wall. Now we have a plumbing vent or something in the way. We have maybe some supply lines. We maybe have electrical. And we're dealing with structure. And I can't tell you places I've used to work at, <laughs> there's never a permit issued. Nothing ever done. They'll take a photo of the before, during, and after, and then post it the same day. Seriously? Like, you know how long you do the you do the framing? Yeah. What's it going to take? Is they really going to think the engineer or the, the uh, inspector is going to come out there oh, of that course day? Not. Of course not. Yeah. 
like all the time. Even if you were that good and you timed it all and you had everybody as soon as you opened yeah. it up and you revealed it, had the engineer to look at what needs to be done, they can sign off a report at the end of it. Then you yeah. still get to get the crew to build what that engineer is signing and off on. I have been losing. Now, I mean, I don't see so it. So you as, lose the job as based on that. I, I don't see it as losing because if, walking away. if that's the kind of people that we're dealing with, like I'm not losing that as a customer. Like if anything, I'm like whew, bullet dodged. I'm Neo in the Matrix, you know, dodging bullets, no <laughs> problem. Because, I mean, the people are posting their work. I mean, I see so I see many different guys, you know, and and they're bragging about it. Like, look what we did today. Like, are you nuts? This is a record. Stop showing people you're doing this. But as a big company. As any company, a small-time guy, I'm losing jobs to big companies. I'm losing jobs to sm- – I mean, again, I don't see it as losing jobs, but I'm not getting these. Life lessons, man. But I'm going in and I'm telling people, okay, call your insurance company. Tell them what you're doing. You got permits? Good. Give copies to your insurance company. As soon as I start telling these things to these people – They get nervous. They get nervous. But then you'll have competitor A, competitor but B But is that nervousness in. rooted in costs? Oh, 100%. Because money. the moment you tell your insurance company, the insurance company notifies impact. So now the rating of your house goes up. That means your property tax goes up. So no longer is that window at $10,000 unit being installed. Yeah. It's now affecting your insurance overall for the year continuously. Yeah. So they want to avoid all that. Because it comes but up. if something dramatically bad happens, guess what? Your insurance can come back and go, you never notified us of doing this. So we're not covering you for this Damage. I'm seeing guys put lintels in, and they are not masons. Now, I don't know 100% if when you're putting a lintel in... Minimum three-inch bearing. Minimum. Yeah, but I mean, again, I don't know because I know a couple of masons. I, I use masons because masonry is a sh- shitty, disgusting job, and I would Hard. rather pay them a premium to do it. Yeah. But they also go on about the kind of steel they need. I know where they get it from. I don't know who is who is specking the steel. You know, I'd say nine times out of ten, it's just a best guess. But I know it's never being inspected, and that's probably just, not. And it just blows my mind. Like, but you're there not to worry about the structure. You're there for the opening that's yeah. there to put in the unit. But if your unit starts failing and there's weight on the glass or on the unit and it's got nothing to do with you because there was no lintel installed or... But it's the liability that people just think they're getting away with because somebody else is coming in and going, well, you know, so-and-so will charge less. You know, well, you don't really need a permit. We can keep it quiet. We can do this. Nobody will ever know. But that's what I meant. That's why I ask. Is it it that bullshit conversation because it's driven by money? It's always driven by money because, I mean... As soon as you tell people that's and it's going to take longer. So imagine, okay, we're going to cut this opening. Now we got to wait until it's inspected. That could it always it. Jay, like it always frustrates me that whenever you speak to, and I've spoken to like my good friends that I've known since high school, and I try to explain to them there's steps. Yeah, there's steps, and we can't just get to step number ten without doing all the previous steps. And I don't understand how you, you know, and they they just. I don't know if they're blindsided or they just they just don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with all the extra steps to get to the situation properly. For somebody else to come in and say, we can have this door in and done in a day or two versus, well, I'll come in, I'll frame it, we'll get the inspection. Once we get signed off, we'll come back, we'll put it in. That could be a week, that could be a month. Yeah. Who the hell would want to hire me because of that? They won't. They're going to want to listen to somebody who's going to come in and go, will you take care of it in a day or two? Yeah. 
And I mean, and maybe they'll charge a bit more. Maybe they'll charge a bit less. Well, maybe for the homeowners, they should look at it more like, okay, why is the one person, the one trades coming out here saying this one thing? Why is he doing that? Yeah. Why don't they question that? Yeah. Are the other three wrong and he's right? When I was, when I was coming up in this industry, I was with a company and I didn't, I didn't so much, I knew, but I didn't know. I, I was a sub, right? So I didn't ask. Here's the job. Here's the product. Go do it. Okay. I just assumed everything was in order. It wasn't until a decade later that I realized that, yeah, nobody's doing any of these things. <laughs> Everyone's guessing on stuff. I said, yeah, okay, they'll ask me to go look at a job. Well, we're going to need to get this spec'd out. And I just get a report back. Okay, you're going to go need like two 14-foot LVLs. I never once saw an actual inspection report i never once saw an engineer a permit, drawing nothing. a permit never and to this day every single company that operates around the town i'm in they still operate like that i know they do because but are you everybody. putting it in your paperwork saying that you're not responsible for the structural around the unit no that well at the t at the time that was never a thing because it was never not known yeah you just went and did your job and went home and that was it now luckily when I was doing it, at least I know what I'm doing, so I know I'm doing it properly. Mm -hmm. But to think that that still goes on, I mean, come on. And that's, again, when I was younger, do anything, whatever. Scoot up there, go do that. Go just, like, work hard, hustle, um, break your body, do the most dangerous tasks. Go up that 40-foot ladder. Don't worry about tying off to anything. And then as the years went on, I'm like, huh, if I don't own a 32 or a 40 foot ladder, I can't go up it. Well, here's a job and it requires tall ladder. Oh, I don't have a ladder that tall. Sorry, can't do it. And because I was always a bigger fella, it's like, ooh, well, you can borrow the shop ladder. That's rated for 150 pounds. I'm 260 without <laughs> clothes, fuckers. So like, ain't it gonna work. So, and then in the end, you realize that you're always pushing your own safety just for the sake of the job. And it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it's it. It's not worth it, and man. And that's where, you know, your mental, your, your mental stamina, your physical ability, your mental health, everything, no company gives a shit about you. They say they do. Oh, customer, not customer, um, employees will look after you. The second, nope. the second I experienced uh, an injury, oh, yeah. You're replaced the next day, man. Oh, yeah. They, were, they already had their hooks into somebody else yeah and, exactly and once they get the other employees in they give them what they think they want pet them tell them they're pretty oh you're the new toy we love you. we'll give you whatever you want here's your vehicle here's your phone we got your back yeah they will work you to the bone it doesn't work like that man everybody please check out www.thecontractorpanel.com uh, by participating in the contractor panel surveys, construction professionals like you earn, earn rewards points for providing important insight to the industry partners in ways that benefit everybody. Visit theconstructionpanel.com to join. I actually got to go check it out. I'm curious about it myself, man. So that's uh, www.thecontractorpanel.com. Where do you want to go from here there, Jay? Well, I got one last segment, which is the Green Book Talk. You want to do that? Green Book Talk. How we, hey, Mr. Director, how are we doing on time there, man? 
Yeah, we're doing great, man. We still go days from now on. So Green Book time here. Hey, Manny. Yeah. What does the Green Book have to say? The Green Book here. Well, we have the Green Book right there. Look, and we actually have a 2019 Green Book there. That's what we have, right? Is that the most current version? I don't know. I think there's a 2022 now. I think I got to double check, but I think there is. Um, Does every company need a health and safety officer? I think it has to do with how many employees you have. Does it not? Uh, yes and no. Uh, you're correct. All businesses, companies, and organizations are required by the Occupational Health and Safety OSHA Act to prioritize the health and safety of all employees and management in the workplace. However, this is not only the responsibility of the CEO or the management, but also the individual employees. So it falls on everybody. Okay. Right. Um, so how many employees require a safety officer? How many health and safety representatives must be designated? One health and safety representative must be designated for every workplace consisting of more than 20. Oh, that's a big number. So you need one designated person, right? Therefore, where, where only 19 workers are employed is not necessary to designate a representative. A lot of guys. Yeah, people. I, actually, th- I thought that was a little high yeah. myself, but I mean. I think um, it would be like eight or 10 or something. Can you name the five steps to risk assessment? I know earlier on in the show we talked about risk assessing. What are the five steps? Like your five senses? (laughs) Identify the hazard. Decide who might be harmed and how. Evaluate the risks. Decide on control measures. And record your findings and implement them. This is also the same steps required to um, get payment from somebody. <laughs> In my experience. Identify the hazards, decide who you might harm yes, and how, yes. evaluate the risks, decide on control measures, record your findings and implement them. I have used and actually, you know, it's measures. funny. It's actually the same measures, man. I have used these so same techniques. Can you name the time. five steps to get your final payment? <laughs> That's what that is. That Ob- was Green Book talk. Obtain a ball peen hammer. <laughs> Remove the toes. No, this is construction <laughs> in the new century now. We don't do any of that stuff. We want to wrap up this show here. What else you want to bring up? You have any other thoughts that you want to bring up, Jay? Um, I'm hearing a lot of. I'm just hearing a lot of talk chatter from guys. Um, uh, uh, how do I say it? You just say it. There's a microphone there, and there's cameras all around us. God damn! <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone just seems to be fed up, getting out of their field. Um, I don't know. There's if a lot it, of changes going on. I don't know if it's because of like the the, the, the TikTok app, the the Instagram. Just everybody's oh work less, um, put, don't put out more. Uh, what is this other one? Quiet quitting. Quiet uh, quitting. Have you seen this? Quiet. What's quitting? quiet quitting? So so basically, people working their wage. So you work for me, and I pay you arbitrarily fifteen dollars an hour. And, you know, all of a sudden people have quit. Now I expect you to do more duties or I just want you to just, I just want you to do your work, but you feel you're worth more than $15 an hour. So you don't actually quit your job and say, screw it. I'm sick of this job. I'm not flipping burgers anymore. I'm going to go. I know what you're talking about. But then, so what they'll do is they'll basically put in the bare minimum amount of work. You know, you know You know what the first sign is of that? No. If I hear someone at a place of business and I can hear their feet dragging, 
Yeah, the walking. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way they're walking. It's and when they're, they're walking, it's that heel drag. And it was, it was really interesting. I think Chris actually mentioned slightly in the book there too as well how certain people should uh, walk, present themselves. Yeah. And, and when employees do that dragging the yeah. shoe thing, you know they don't care at all about that employment. And so now I know you're talking about the quiet quitting yeah. part. They'll basically give you, if they're paid, whatever they're getting paid, they'll give you their version of that dollar, of that dollar amount. <laughs> so, or they'll do absolutely, they'll be there at nine and you see it. So um, you as an employer, you keep them because you can't find. And what can you do? It's like, funny how it, my favorite chicken place here in the greater Toronto area, man, I, I was just like I bumped into the owner and she was leaving the same time I was picking up and then I was leaving and she's like, oh, it's good to see you. And, and then I, I said to her a lot of new faces and she goes, you don't understand, man, the, the turn, turnover is insane yeah. here. You and try to pay them you, a good wage, but the they next just... Next time you come in, it'll be somebody else. And I walk in and I, and I watch the last one. I'm sorry, but I mean, it was like, this guy was quiet quitting now and I wanted to say something so badly. This guy was doing the slowest amount of work possible yeah. from getting fired because he was still working. But the way he was moving and, and what was really irritating me was that every so often he was checking his phone coming yeah. out of the pocket. Un unmotivated, and, and was, very slow. I'm like, dude, there's a lineup here. And, and, and I mean, she's had greater employees and I've, I've watched them and I've asked her, I go, what happened? To oh, he left. He, he went and yeah. he moved back. And, and I'm like, she's always the turnaround she's she's always hiring new people but we get this in construction all the time yeah. it's yeah. insane how much we get it in construction and i just with you know people everyone's so focused on their side hustle and doing this affiliate marketing crap or crypto or this or whatever the fuck it is that they're trying not to do everyone's forgotten to work so everyone's off trying to do this side hustle but now everyone thinks that the, everyone deserves the best. Everyone should have this. I'm this age. I should have this by this. Fuck, none of us had that age. Like, I'm 50 and I'm still hustling. It's a different time, man. You know, it's I mean. It's a different time. I didn't invent any dot com. I don't have any, you know what I mean? I'm not an affiliate marketing expert. I My crypto stock is worth shit, you know? My Bitcoin never took off the ground. Hang on to it, man. I'm going to have the boys back on. That's got to be That crypto awesome. show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to get Sean and, and um, uh, Mar Mario. Yeah, no, Marco. See, Sorry, Marco. I see so many people that are just packing up and folding in. Um, and a lot of, I mean, some people that are doing it, they're going off and trying new stuff. Awesome. Do you, you know? remember Stuart Smiley from Saturday Night Live? Words of encouragement. Oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're good enough. You're smart enough. Yeah. I think the entire world has become Stuart Smiley. Yeah, I think that they like patted each other on the back so many times. Like you're you're better than that minimum wage. You're better than that construction job. You're better than this. You're better than all this crap. The one the one meme the one meme and the one T-shirt. The director was supposed to be quiet. Is always talking there, man. The one meme and the one T-shirt I've seen that I would love to just put and is advertise what? is nobody cares. Go back to work. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, man. Or nobody cares. Work harder. I agree with you, man. I totally agree with you. But uh, how do you solve it? How do you find, how do you encourage well, people to come that? into construction? What was that? What was that? Like uh, in times of hardship, we created hard men. Yeah, the whole hard men, weak men. Yeah, thing. and I mean, you're seeing it now. We've got a world full. Everybody wants to talk it out. Feelings, mental health, all like, fuck off. I don't care about any of that. Just, 
I get it. Shit happens. But get over it and go back to work. Go do your stuff. Figure it out. You know, stop sitting there whining about it. At least that's me. Maybe I'm, I'm from a different generation. You and me. Raised different ways. But are you seeing a lot of guys and girls in the industry, the construction industry, losing the passion for construction? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, I, like, I was, like I was saying to Flo, like at 50 now, I have lots of interest. I would love to go and try different avenues, different trades, this and that. But whatever I go and do, I'm starting at a much significant less earning potential, and I'll have to build it all back up. So with a wife, three kids, mothers to look after, bills, everything to pay. Life. An investment to look after, you know, to invest in your future and this and that. Like, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I mean, is my son going to take over this empire I'm building? Probably fucking not, you know. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? You're going to just basically, once you stop it, you decide to stop it, it stops? Now, in all honesty, my boy has been... This has been a good eye-opening year for him because he's, we've been working with other people, other crews, uh, other tradesmen have been around, and he's been telling me, uh, now my wife has been telling me because he doesn't say it to me directly, but he does eventually, is that he is glad that, hey, I'm glad my dad's my boss. Because I tell him, I remind him every now and then when he's on his phone He's not being productive. I come around the corner. I'll spy on him sometimes and catch him <laughs> just doing shit, you know. And yeah. I'll tell him sometimes that you know, you're lucky that like you would you went to work for somebody else. Like you would have been fired a long time you'd, ago. You'd have to show up at seven. Your mother's not waking you up. Like you'd have to wake yourself up, get yourself to work, be an adult, do this, do that. I mean, you're still. How old is he? Twenty-two. What's his circle of friends like? There is none. There is none. There is none. What are they all doing? They all doing TikTok, Instagram? No, like all his, I mean, all his friends, they're in, they're in, they're in university. He didn't go to university. He came to work for me because my daughter went to university. Uh, her degree cost what it cost. Uh, now my daughter has entered, um, like she got a degree in neurophysiology and she wanted to do, again, she wanted to do neurology research, this and that. Uh, I told her that you may not want to do these things. Like, you don't know. You're still young. You're not going to know what you're going to do. Like, at the time I told her, I said, I was like, whatever it was, like 47, 48. I said, dude, I'm 48. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I'm doing this now because this pays the best, and I'm good at it. Yeah. It takes no effort to run, and it's easy. Everything's paid for. Um, you know, and she's all, oh, no, I can never do this. I can only want to do that. Yeah, great. Guess what? Now she started it. She's going to be a chiropractor. So she entered at Canadian Moore Chiropractic College this year. So there's a four or five year course. She's going to be a chiropractor. Hey, good for her. But that costs significant amount of money and time and dedication. But she, she worked for me for two years. Oh, did she? I mean, when I pulled the bicep off my, off my arm, she was with us that summer, thankfully. So work did not slow down. And her and the boy were able to pull us as a family unit through that time. Was that on site? The pole, the bicep? Oh, yeah. Really, yeah? Oh, yeah. Unit by yourself? Um, yeah, and it wasn't even anything special. Just lifting eight pieces of glass and just the way I curled it and lifted uh. and it just, it didn't even hurt. As soon as it clicked, I've been, I've been in the gym enough to see enough guys. But how long it. did that take to recover? It should have taken nine months. It took me three. Three months? Three months. Why so fast there, uh, Logan? 
Well, <laughs> the the uh, what's his name? The uh, the doctor said come in for physio twice a week, and I'm like, when? During the day? During adult business working hours? Well, we have an afternoon. We have an evening appointment, and I'm like. First of all, go fuck yourself. I work. <laughs> so the physio was half my age. And I'm like, yeah, my mom's a physio. We'll figure it out. So you did it on your own. Did it on my own. Homeschool physio. Everything. You know what? I didn't do anything. In three months? I didn't do any physio. I kept my arm from moving, but we were working. So what was their guideline for nine months? What is that? I don't know. It's bullshit. Wow. So I've always, I mean, my body had, tends to heal. But again, we worked. So I, if you tear a bicep, the idea is that you don't want it to be moved so then it could heal itself. Yeah, you want the tendon Muscle to heal heals. Them. Yeah, this was, the tendon actually got torn off the bone. So they needed oh. the bone. I didn't move the arm. I respected it, but I kept my hand moving. It was in a sling attached around my neck, so I couldn't bend my arm, so it stayed still. But I, I reinforced the sling so that my hand was in a stable locked position so when I was lifting anything heavy, I could lift it this way. Oh, I got it. Okay. But I kept my arm moving. And because of that, the blood flow. So you were healing. I was healing. I was kind of working it without working it. Got it. And then. Three months, man, versus nine. Well, it was in June it happened. June, July, August, September. Four months. The end of October. Okay. Actually, I had been using it. Still less than half. Yeah. I had Because I went in, when I went in for my final assessment when I'm in, in October, um, I had actually been using it out of the cast, out of everything for like a good solid three weeks, respectfully, you know, giving it the attention it deserves. I went in there, he opened it up, he's like, and I told him what I've been doing because I can't lie to the doc. This is the physio guy? Yeah, the, uh, the, act, the orthopedic surgeon. Got it. And uh, he takes it out of the cast and he's like, what can you do? And I extended my arm and I did this and he's putting pressure and he's like, yeah, well, that's a first for us. So <laughs> just do what you keep doing. He's like, have you seen my physio? And I said, I met him. I said, he's a little punk, but whatever. <laughs> so that was that. But No meds, no nothing? Oh, dude, I lived on painkillers. Oh, yeah? It was, it was killing you? That was the beginning of my weight loss journey. Because you take... you. Did they x-ray it and like the tendon was actually ripped right off the bone? When I tore it, I just they have a two-week window to fix it. I was just so happened that with five days after it happened, I was just happened to go to one of the local hospitals to have an MRI on my knee. How do they reattach a tendon? They cut the arm open. They spread all the meat. They get right down to the bone. They take so the muscle tendon, like so it's got like the muscle belly and it's got the little frayed tendon that's, port, that's pulled off. They literally stake their finger down the hole where the bicep tendon goes, <laughs> they finger that hole so it's nice and gaping. They thread the tendon back through there. They take the tendon. I watched a couple of videos on this. They take the it's tendon. Like a rubber like, band, man. But like, you know, when they cut hair, they do that. Thing, yeah, yeah. They literally trim it like that. Oh, they shear it off the ends? They just, they, they, they take off the frayed cut ends. It's a shoelace. They wrap it in a cord. They drill two holes in the bone. They... They take the rope that they've tied. You know, you know when you're pulling cable through conduit and they have yeah. that like that Japanese finger trap. Yeah, kind of thing? yeah. Something like that. They pull it through the bone, tie it off like butcher twine type crap. Um, you know the white drywall plugs that you put in. Yeah. Hanging a picture, something similar to that. Screw those in, stitch you all back up. I was his first one of three booked that day. It's as common as saying, "Hey, 
It's November. Can I get the winter tires on my car? Oh, yeah, buddy. No problem. Are you under a local or you're out? I was out. You're out, eh? When it happened, there was no, it did not hurt when it happened. Because there's no pain pain innervation. There's no nerve innervation in there. Right, so it tore. Well, you couldn't move your hand or oh, yeah. anything. You couldn't I, do anything. I could do everything. Oh, you could still do it. The only difference was when you flex your arm, that little space where your bicep yeah. is was yeah. like massive. So there are two options. I could live with it, and it is what it is, or you fix it, and you deal with the what rehab. You live with it, and it is what it is. You wouldn't have the dexterity of like moving or lifting anything. You wouldn't have a bicep. You oh, well, don't forget, bicep crosses two joints. Yeah. Right. So it so cross- you lost one. So the, the the one head crosses. It attaches up here at the shoulder. It yeah. Crosses this joint and goes here. The other one uh, attaches on the actual bone here. It doesn't cross the joint. So I would still have a limited range. It was limiting. So I mean, of course, I wanted it fixed because I'm not fucking retarded. So yeah. So I got. So I'm not allowed to say that word. Um, <laughs> my wife tells me I'm not allowed to say that word. I use it all the time. You use it all the time. Um. Uh. So, but so they I, drill into. They use concrete plugs. But when I woke up from that surgery, the pain I have. Oh, it's the drilling into the bone. It's the incision because they move all the meat uh, like the, the, I had and everything the, has to the, heal. The nerve innervation took like a year and a half to come back down my arm. And like the, like it was, and, and the amount of pain I was in, you don't want to eat cause you want to barf. And I just lived on. Like, and that was just from lifting like all day long. Not even all day long. I went to do, I went, literally went, I bent down I, just a piece of glass. I had two suction cups on the glass, top and bottom. I literally lifted down, and all I did was, I just I I curled, like if you had a dumbbell, it's just curling from an outstretched arm up, and as soon as I went to lift, it was click click, ouch, and it just came. It didn't hurt at all, ouch. but the sound it sounded like Velcro tearing. Ah, oh, it was man. weird as hell. As soon as it happened, I'm like, oh, this is so bad. I had a friend who cut his tendon on a finger, and it became a whole fiasco. Yeah, with like the, I, with the I young mean, doctor. We used to we used to we burnt wood for main heat in our house for a number of years. And we went through 12 bush cord. I used to process my own wood. And I took the tip of this finger off with a wood splitter. And it was just the bone sticking out. And uh, I'm at the hospital there. Why didn't we open with all this stuff, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm at the hospital there. And they're like wondering what to do with me. And I was like, guys, I said, just amputate it at the knuckle. I said, I don't give people the finger this way. <laughs> this is the good one. I said, cut it off. Let me get back to work. It is what it is. Put me back in the game, coach. Ten minutes later, my mom and my my mom and my uh, wife show up, and they have the glove with the tip of the finger still in it on ice because the all the, uh, it, it literally just took the no. nail. <laughs> so the doc says, well, we can try this because it's your own tissue. It's not going to reject it. So. They literally just take the flaps of skin. He froze it like with the like with some no- Novocaine or lidocaine, whatever it is. So a local, so I couldn't feel anything. And I wa- I have uh, some videos of it of him just <laughs> literally stitching this Frankenstein like the needle. Like it just like pierces the nail like it's butter. And he's just stitching it all back on. I've got like this little Frankenstein finger. And without a word of a lie, that skin on there, I kept it protected and covered, and it grew back from the inside out. And I mean, it's not, I don't have very good feeling in here, but I mean, you'd never know I'd miss the tip of my finger. It's awesome. John Bobbitt feels the same way. (laughs) (laughs) We got to wrap up the show on that note. 
I want to do the 10 questions or the 12 questions with you again, man. Oh, okay. You want to do it again? Oh, why not? I think it's been a while since you've done it, but I'm just curious. They might be similar. It might be different. Ready for that? I've evolved. Maybe it's better. What is your favorite construction word, Jason? Nowadays, my favorite construction word. Oh, I guess just yes. Just agree. What is your least favorite construction word? Can I get a discount? What turns you on in construction? Fine, always the same. Fine quality craftsmanship, fine, a fine tradesperson. Somebody who is just, just a, not good at their craft, but just ex- exemplary at their craft. What turns you off in construction? Oh, just the opposite of that. The R word. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word or phrase? Oh, it's got to be the usual. Fuck! <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle? I'd still say it's the Unimog. The Unibug? Unimog. What's it's a Unimog? Mercedes. It's, it's an off-road vehicle built by Mercedes. Oh, okay. I think I know you're talking about. Just, um, they're big. They're, they're based on tractor platforms. It's a monster. So like, so you know how tractors have like these. It goes into the snow, like the way in the snow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just big, the way they're designed, but they're. And then, so Germany, in the, after the war, for obvious reasons, they couldn't have a military. Yep. They tend I to remember bad that. Things with couldn't military. build anything, I know. So they took their German skills and they built these agricultural units. And they based it off a tractor at the time, big wheels in the back, tiny wheel up front, four size, both wheels. And they made these vehicles that were good for ambulances, agriculture, all these, any terrain. And of course, since then it's evolved. I think Freightliner bought them out a number of years ago because Freightliner used to sell them, but that's where they are now. But it's just an awesome thing. Least favorite vehicle? Any car. Any car. Any car? I just don't like cars. Cars are useless Any to me. car. What construction sound or noise do you love? Just the general sound of work. Always the sound of a productive work going on. Production. Production. What's the construction sound or noise do you hate? Um, the nattering, the complaining, the the bitching, the moaning, the the griping, the all that. Just the just the general malaise of people. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Nowadays, I don't know. I think I'd become a professional leisureologist. Leisureologist. Yes. I'd like to study the act of so many types of leisure activities. I think there's a lot of schools with those classes going on right now. What profession would you not like to do? An affiliate marketing. <laughs> Social media influencer. <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Well, sir, your application was originally denied. However, you've been good. You can come in. (laughs) Jason, always a pleasure to see you. The Keystone Contractor, everybody. Owner, operator, big cheese. www.thekeystonecontractor.com. Email is info at thekeystonecontractor.com. And on Facebook and Instagram is the Keystone Contractor. Also the head honcho. Ed Honcho, the big cheese, enchilada, the guru, the ultimate, (laughs) 
the one and only, the legend, the, the myth, the man. <laughs> Everyone, by the way, check out the contractorpanel.com. Thank you very much. And, and Flo, thank you very much for taking the directing duties. I won't thank you too much because I haven't seen the end product yet. So I'm curious about that. And we'll see how this, this thank show you, Flo. goes. You did a splendid, a splendid job, job for, for show there. Get this party started. We are out of here. Thanks so much, Jason. Thanks, Manny.